In today's podcast episode, we talk with Aram of Four Weeks to the Beach Nutrition about the importance of layering in habits that serve your goals, even with a busy lifestyle. We also talk about why it is important to be realistic about the changes that you can make so that you can consistently adhere to your protocol. And we further discuss how we approach difficult situations and support our clients to make lasting change, not only to achieve their goals, but also to set them up for life and support their health long-term. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast and you can follow Aram at four weeks to the beach on Instagram. Links are in the show notes. You hear all the bull about diet and exercise. Carbs are evil. Do more cardio. Never eat bread or cookies again. Just do a juice cleanse. We get it. We fell for all of the BS too. It's time to go right to the source with the truth about how to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I am Liz. And I'm Becca. We are your nutrition educators, and this is The Food Code. All right, welcome to The Food Code. We are very excited. We have an interview today and we have Aram with us. Aram, who if you are on Instagram, you might know him as Four Weeks to the Beach. That's what I knew you as until... (laughs) until I'm Bruce Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, And he is a nutritional coach as well. uh, And we wanted to bring him on because we love his messaging. We love what he stands for. Um, He has a really great way of saying things. And so we wanted to chat with you about your points of view on nutrition and on coaching clients and all that good stuff. So welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm honored. I'm flattered. I (laughs) am humbled when anybody asks for my opinion because it's like, who who the F am I? (laughs) I love it. I I mean, as we were talking about before we hopped on, you have such great content. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so I actually met Aram in Chicago way back in the day. God, that's probably been six years ago now. Um, So give us a little bit of a background on you. Uh, We actually just found out that he moved here from Russia, similar to my husband, Art. So I always uh, love that. Um, But give us a background. You know, why do you do what you do? How did you get into this? And um, what sparked your passion to help others? Um, I've always been into the fitness side of things. I always enjoyed working out. Um, I started working out because most boys start working out because they want to get attention from girls in high school. And that's what it really was. And it was, I was just like, kind of, I was built like a pear when I was a small boy and I wanted to change that. And then I started working out with the football team and I want, I played football. I was not good at it. I just was good at lifting weights. And then, uh, I went through college. I was kind of always just that beacon of like advice in the gym for people. I competed in powerlifting for a little while. And then I got out of college. I went into finance. And I became really good at partying and spending money <laughs> and destroying my health, which was great, while still going to the gym obsessively, because at that point it was like just basically trying to outlift my drinking and mm-hmm. drugging on the weekends. And that was a really res- nice recipe for disaster. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, and then I got laid off from finance in 2012. And... Dove headfirst into fitness. I got certified through NASM. I worked for Equinox, which is a gym chain that was kind of a luxury brand on the mm-hmm. East Coast. And I've been in it ever since to some capacity. And then nutrition coaching was probably about three to four years ago when I realized that there were, I had to bridge the gap between the other hours of the day that I couldn't be with my clients because training is one hour or four times a week. 
Mm-hmm. You have another 23 hours times seven days a week to mess it all up. So mm-hmm. yeah, I wanted to be able to control that part of it too. And I find this to be much more interesting and valuable. It's, I mean, working out is easy. Anybody can go spend 45 minutes inside of a gym. It's, it's trying to keep brownies out of your mouth the rest of the day. That's hard. Yeah. And that makes you super valuable as a trainer who is also certified in nutrition because you can really mash the two. And a lot of people don't understand just how important all of the time spent is outside of the gym because as we were, you know, kind of talking about before we hopped on here, it's master your mind, master your body, right? If you can control your mind and your thoughts and your relationship with food and really understand how to nourish your body, you can achieve anything that you want. But a lot of people try to, you know, run, do more cardio, like you said, outlift drinking and bad habits. And ultimately spin their wheels. I mean, I saw it for many years as a gym owner, Becca saw it a lot, you know, in her gym, you'd see people, they look the same after being in your gym, you know, four or five, six years. And a lot of it comes down to their nutritional habits and choices. So what are you doing today? um, In terms of, you know, I obviously, you obviously coach uh, people online, are you still training in the gym as well? Or is everything online now? Yeah, I, I have some in-person people. I, you know, I moved to California in May of last year and I, it's been tough because the, there's a saturation of trainers here. Um, so the ticket price is very low and there's really not a big barrier to entry because everybody here is half naked all the, all the time. So like everybody's in good shape. Um, so there's not a really high respect for knowledge base and movement patterning and movement improvement mm-hmm. and functional training. It's all basically just like, you know, booty models and bodybuilders and stuff like that. And that's just not my target market. I want to work with like the 40 plus professional mom, man who's struggling to keep weight off or has accumulated some weight. And I want to teach them how to move better, feel better. You know, I, aesthetic training is fun and it's cool, but like there's no longevity in it. And honestly, from a money-making standpoint, the people who are focused on aesthetics only really can't afford a higher level of expertise mm-hmm. because they're typically in their twenties and they haven't really started their professional careers yet. Um, and there's just a lot of tra- there's, I mean, you know, you walk into the gym and you see like everybody has a trainer, but they're paying like 30 or 40 bucks an hour or is back home in Connecticut. I was charging anywhere between 120 and 150 an hour and I was getting it. Um, and out here I quote those prices and people are like, Oh my God, are you going to cure cancer too? <laughs> uh, I'm like, well, no, but we can prevent it by eating well. And then I go into that spiel, which is always fun. But yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's been hard to, I like training people in person. I like putting my hands on them and seeing where their feet are and what their mood is. So for me, like my, uh, you know, me, like, I'm not afraid to say what I say. I don't believe in online training. I think like virtual training is silly. Like, Half the time I was doing virtual with people, like their phone would fall. I'm looking at their ceiling fan, their dogs barking, their kids are running around. Like it's just fucking chaos. Sorry for swearing. It's okay. You can um, swear. We're we're explicit. You're paying you're you're paying me good money to spend an hour with me, and you're not even remotely mentally there. And I can't put my hands on you. I don't know where your feet are in space. I don't know if your knees are buckling. I don't know, you know, where your shoulder. Like it's just hard. Yeah. If it's an accountability appointment and it gets somebody to exercise when they would not rather have exercised, great. But if somebody's making, trying to really make progress and improve, I just think it's a suboptimal way to do it. And I, I think there's a reason why we're called personal trainers. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm 1000% agree. I hate that COVID turned fitness into 
online classes that you're following an instructor online. And, you know, I just, I, like Liz said, we see a lot of people in and out of gyms that don't make progress. Um, and I think it comes down to the same exact thing at the end of the day as nutrition does in terms of people do not push themselves very well. Um, they do not know how to extend their limits. And as soon as we feel resistance, we feel discomfort, we shy away from things. Um, and so exercise is no different than that. Um, and that's why they're, you know, in professional sports, even a lot of people with talent don't make it very far because mentally they aren't there. And so I think as much as we want to consume all the information, we want to know all the different diet options, all the different exercise things. We jump on all these new bandwagons. It's like at the end of the day, none of that matters if you can't apply it when things get hard. And that is why so many people are stuck and struggling. Um, so I 1000% agree. And I, it's so hard to train people via Zoom and via online. I've done it a couple times as well. And it's just like, um, you are not responding to any of the cues that I'm giving because you don't know how to feel your own body. And so it's, you know, and at the end of the day, that's why people need to be with a person. Like Liz and I are huge proponents of strength training and all of our listeners know that. But I recommend to people like you need to get inside a gym with someone that knows what they're doing watching you because you will hurt yourself. And that's what, you know, keeps what are you, people. Are you going to go get a virtual haircut? <laughs> exactly. They're going to walk yeah. you through how to cut your own hair. It's going exactly. to go to the like, I'm sure there's a YouTube tutorial that yes. would make you do it. But like if a woman tried to sit down and like bellyage her hair, like good friggin' luck. Exactly. It's be a nightmare. Exactly. And you know, people pay $150 an hour or $150 for a haircut, almost $100, $150. But for someone to teach you how to move your body, to change your body for a life, it's like $100 an hour. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not because that is less than actually what this is probably worth. And for you to be able to understand how to do this effectively for the rest of your life, it's just, you know, it, it's tough. It's tough. And I think um, understanding the value is hard also to sometimes to portray to people um, because it's, you know, well, I can go to Planet Fitness for $18 a month and not have to do it, you know, and probably stay the same as I am for the rest of my life because that's not going to push me either. So at the end of the day, it keeps coming back to that mindset. And you talked a little bit around, you know, the population that you like to work with, um, the, you know, 40 something mothers, business people, you know, people that are high up have busy lives. Um, can you talk a little bit on like having that busy schedule, that demanding job and how you try to make it work with your clients? Cause I think that's something that a lot of people like wear that badge of honor of, I just have too much going on. I'm stressed too much happened this week. Like what do you do in that scenario and with your clients with that? I help them by making them realize that a lot of times it's just a time management issue. And like, if you've been successful in business or as a parent or as a business owner or, you know, whatever, you've obviously done something fairly consistently to get to where you are, you know, to achieve that level of success. So if you're able to do that somewhere, you're able to replicate that same process again with another endeavor. The unfortunate reality is that, there's money attached to work and there's life expectancy attached to childbearing and raising children. Like if you're a bad parent, your kid's going to suck and then it's on you. And then good luck living with that guilt forever. Like it's, if people don't work out and don't eat well, they just get fat and there's a lot of fat people. So it's okay. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's, there's no real harm or risk. Like people don't think about the health risks of obesity mm-hmm. yes. because they're not dying from it immediately. It's not like it's like cancer is pouring out of your eyes 
Like you're just slowly withering away, but you're not really seeing it or feeling it acutely. Whereas if you stop putting effort into work, you stop getting paid, your life gets immediately impacted. If you stop paying attention to your children, they become assholes and your life is immediately uncomfortable. If you don't eat well and you don't exercise, you just kind of slowly accumulate weight, which is what happens to everybody that's ever gained it. It doesn't happen. Like I was telling this to somebody the other day. I'm like, can you imagine if one bad meal would just immediately put 80 pounds on somebody overnight? Like nobody would eat like shit. Nobody. It would be, you would never see one person consuming fast food or candy or anything because if the risk was that bad, people would be like, oh my God, this is horrible. How do I undo this? Mm -hmm. And if people were told like you would gain 80 pounds overnight, but then it would take you a year to lose it, 0% of the population would eat. And that's the problem is that because we're wired to want things immediately Mm-hmm. And because unless something is completely in front of us and present, we don't really want to reach for it. And it's just uncomfortable. And there's other things that are pulling us away from it, whether it's job responsibilities or child responsibilities or social engagements or stress, which is now more prevalent than I think than ever. Absolutely. Well, and in the world of you know what we do, and I know you do the same thing, individualized coaching, where you're trying to meet that client where they are in their lifestyle and we're battling all of these fad diets, instant gratification, like I just drink this detox tea and all of a sudden in five days, I'm going to lose you know, 10 pounds or something. It's a very skewed expectation, right? And so that's what we would definitely want to talk about today because for every individual, it's going to look very different in terms of their results. Adherence plays a huge role here, right? Consistency plays a huge role. What they are able to do in terms of yeah. change plays a huge role. And so how do you, you know, when you're taking on a new client, um, set these expectations? Because this is something that I talk a lot with women who are, you know, speaking with us about our program and they're saying, well, can you guarantee that I'm going to lose this 20 pounds by summer? And I said, nope. I absolutely cannot <laughs> because one, I don't know how consistent you are going to be, how adherent you're going to be, how your body is going to respond, because we're also now fighting a lot of health issues, underlying health issues. Is, um, you know, A lot of the ladies that we take on either insulin resistance, metabolic syndrome, PMS, perimenopause, you know, autoimmune, you name it. And so we've, we've got to figure that piece of the puzzle out first because weight loss is a byproduct of being healthy. And so I'd love for you to kind of speak on that too in terms of you know, you're taking on clients who have busy lifestyles. They are high up. They're very successful. What is the expectation uh, as they come in and how do you kind of you know, speak to that when someone is signing up with you to say, how are you going to help me? And these are my goals, but I want it to happen in the next 90 days. Yeah. I mean, people start to talk about timelines. If they start talking about timelines within the first couple of minutes of our conversation, I have to basically stop, take the needle off the record player and just immediately like, nope. Like if you, if you're already thinking about time, you've already lost the fight. Um, if you lost the fight, you lost the war, like it's over. It's over before it started. I'm just not even going to go down that road with you because this is a process and I'm teaching you a process and I'm trying to rewire 20 or 30 or 40 years of conditioning and habit. Um, that's impossible to do in days and months. That's This is months and years. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I don't expect you to be a client of mine forever, but even if like say somebody buys six months worth of coaching from me, I could do a lot more in six months and learn a lot more about somebody in six months than I can in three. I could be a little bit more aggressive about my approach in three, but the expectation in three months is that 
in 90 days, I'm not going to really be able to help you with your metabolism. But if you're looking to just shed some weight, I'm going to warn you that we're going to do some stuff that'll be uncomfortable and a little bit restrictive. But if that's all you care about, then that's unfortunately what we're going to have to do. I don't prefer to do that. I would much rather spend time reteaching you how to eat properly, having you learn about macronutrients, micronutrients, food quality, portion control, um, just all the stuff that seems to be what should be being taught and is basic, but it's not. Um, and there's no formal nutrition education that exists out there. Like people don't go to like high school and learn about like food portions or macros or, or micros or, or movement. It's, it's, you know, you're learning about stupid stuff that's never going to apply to you later on. Um, and then you're getting information from a fire hose when you get on Instagram and Mm -hmm. anybody that's ever lost weight is now a qualified professional Mm -hmm. and their method works. So (laughs) how many methods now, you know, to me, like if you've had to make, if you've had to do the same diet 17 times, that diet (laughs) doesn't work for you. No, no. Um, I had Weight Watchers. How many times I've heard people are like, well, I just need to go back on Weight Watchers. I'm like, well, it's burned you so many times. Like how many times are you going to let, like keep touching the stove before you realize that it's hot? And so with what you're talking about around just like managing expectations with people, um, do you ever have, you know, clients that, are putting in work and putting in work and not seeing the results, like having that conversation around them. Um, we have this a lot, like Liz was talking about, we deal with a lot of dysfunction. So, you know, metabolic, I, I mean, everything stems from metabolic dysfunction um, and stress in general, but gut translating into gut issues and, you know, perimenopause issues, hormonal imbalances, adrenal fatigue, all of those things. Um, do you ever try to explain I mean, like when you talk timelines with people or when you talk processes with people that, hey, we need to heal the body. We need to essentially get your metabolism back to a baseline, like having that discussion and what that looks like with clients as well, uh, you know, in the first few calls, because I think sometimes we we have those conversations and then it's forgotten. Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, no, I totally understand. And then like a month later when we're still eating enough calories and they're not losing weight, they're like, why aren't I losing weight? And it's like, well, so what, what type of discussion do you have that you feel with your clients is effective and sticks in that place? Because I think, you know, it, it easily gets forgotten. It easily gets like, no, I agree. I agree that I need to eat more. I understand the concept. And then a month or two later, it's like, but I'm still trying to lose weight, right? And it's <laughs> and it's being able to reiterate that and put the right phrasing around that, I think, um, that can be really challenging for a lot of people to be on board. So have you found like anything in particular you talk with your clients around and successful with that? Because um, I think it's a hard conversation with everyone. And it's, you know, especially when they're, we're coming from a very dysfunctional place, whether it's stress-wise or, you know, gut-wise. Um, have you found anything that you, you like to talk with your clients around that you find translates and seems to be like grasped very well i just try to remind them of the concept of trying to feel well um and i think when you start to shift the focus away from aesthetics and into pathology and uh quality of life all of a sudden it's like okay well yeah you're right i do feel better and you're right clothes do fit better and i am less inflamed and i am less tired and joints don't ache as much and i am not going to the bathroom with loose stool, or I am finally going to the bathroom after not going to the bathroom for years. So like if you start bringing it back to those types of things with people that are problematic, um, and I would say 
it's a chicken or the egg issue with a lot of people, especially for females. Like what caused your hormonal dysfunction? Was it the fact that you were born with hormonal issues or did you create those by living a certain way? Um, was it the fact that you've now gone through four different pregnancies that were all very, very, very tough. And a pregnancy is a sporting event. Like, I'm sorry. Like I've never been pregnant before, but I don't want to be ever. Um, people train for the Olympics. They should be training for pregnancy because your body is going through a very traumatic nine or 10 months. I mean, I've, I've seen women go through it now countless times. Like I, I almost feel like I'm an OBGYN at this point. Like, <laughs> it is miserable to watch and it's so hard to manage people's habits and feelings when constantly things are changing and moving uh -huh. and there's just life growing inside of you. And their medical practitioners are not even alluding to the fact that they should be prepared for it. So you have women that are going into this willy nilly and now we're living in a world where we have endocrine disrupting chemicals everywhere and food quality is at the lowest it's ever been yes. and stress is at the highest. And now you're asking for the body to be safe enough to procreate and then recover from it and then recover from it with an expectation of like, I'm going to have my bikini body within 10 weeks of birthing a child that barely wanted to come out. And like it, it, when I start thinking about it, I'm like, why don't you see this? And why don't you want to feel good first? Mm -hmm. Like until you feel good and safe and the body is somewhat cooperative and wants to respond, then it will, it will, it will in time. Yeah. But until you give it some consistent signaling and kind of coddle it to feel better again, it's not going to want to do anything you want it to do because everything you want it to do is aesthetically driven, which is going to make it further uncomfortable. And it doesn't want to be uncomfortable. It wants to just keep surviving and living long enough for you to keep producing children or being able to produce children. Mm, yeah. And then once that functionality is over, then it's kind of like, it's unfortunate, but like the female physiology, like almost discards you. <laughs> it's like, okay, well after 50, like the studio is shut down. <laughs> we no longer need you for anything. So now you can get fat and happy and it's over. Like it's no more insane. testosterone, no more estrogen. Here goes all your muscle. Here goes your bones too, because osteopenia sets in. It's like all, it's like, it's such a sad, like whoever created that sucks. I know. I know. An asshole. <laughs> I know. And, and I, we talk a lot about how like <laughs> stress and like you talked about stress is so much higher. And we talk with our clients around like in a lot of other countries, menopause isn't a thing. Like it's not this huge life event that ruins your life, that ruins your body. Because in other countries, stress is not like it is in the U.S. Women, they basically feel that they have to take on all stresses. They have to manage all of their children's things. They can't ask for help ever. They don't. They don't need help. They take on trying to, you know, get skinny with eating a thousand calories. They take on professions. They take on not sleeping to wake up at four a.m. to fit in the workout, the high intensity hit workout, or the kickboxing, or whatever it is. And then we think like. Why do I have horrible PMS symptoms? Why am I having perimenopause for five years before I fully like, and it's all of these being able to face the mirror and see, I am putting so much stress on my body that's driving these things and being willing to give some of that up to take the time to take a breath, heal, let the body heal. Like you talked about, like you need to get the body back to health and trusting itself because when we are constantly running the body into the ground, under eating chronically, and then binging because we're restricting so hard, 
the body's like, what the hell is going on? Like I'm the last thing I'm focused on is being like, Oh, I should shed some body fat right now. This seems like a pretty safe place (laughs) for me to lose some weight. Like, and we wonder why it's not working. But at the end of the day, there's so many stressors driving into the body and the body is basically like, screw you. I'm not, I need to store fat. I need to hold on to all of these things. And in terms of pregnancy, I could not agree more. It's so unpredictable. It's so overwhelming emotionally. You have hormones all over the place. And unfortunately, I think OBGYNs, I saw a quote the other day. I feel pregnancy is almost treated like an illness in medical world. Like it's like it had something that has to be treated like you have to, you know, take these things and then you have to rest and you can't move and you can't lift heavier than 15 pounds. And like, it's like the sickness that you have to protect. And it's like, no, you need to nourish your body. You can't give right. into your Taco Bell cravings every night because that's, you know, what's creating your human that you're going to live with for the next life. And so yeah. it's, it's being able to kind of, we talk a little bit about removing a little bit of the emotion from it because we are such emotional beings and it drives our choices. It drives, you know, you wake up on Monday and you feel fat, so you have to start the next diet. And that's emotionally what's driving you. But in reality, your body's been driven into the ground for the past 10 years and you probably need to take a break. And so like being able to remove that emotion from things and also sympathizing with clients, like that balance I think is so hard to find as a coach with our clients and especially women. And I'm sure, you know, I know you work with women as well. Um, So is there a way that you try to go about, you know, managing those emotions, managing those feelings and managing, you know, when people are at that place of desperation? Because I think that's a lot of times when people come to coaches is like, I can't take this anymore. I can't like, I need to change and being able to manage kind of the emotions around that and manage, you know, the the desperation feelings of end up kind of being like the supportive spouse that they never got. <laughs> uh, a lot, I mean, I work with probably, you know, I think I have 45 clients that I work with now and I would say 40 of them are female. Uh, most of them are probably 38 plus. So, you know, married kids, you know, the usual. And what I hear a, a very constant theme of is I'm doing everything in the house and I'm going to work and I'm raising the kids and I'm cleaning up after the children and I'm cooking the food. And he reluctantly throws in a load of laundry every once in a while. Um, Sounds like there needs to be some marital expectations set. <laughs> well, and I think that's the other, right. That, that's another big stressor. Like if you don't, if you guys, again, chicken or the egg, like communication, boundaries, understanding the role in the household, like who's doing what, delegating work. Like if your kids are 14 and they're not doing laundry, like shame on you as a parent. Mm -hmm. Like they should know how to do that. Like I I was cooking food and doing laundry and cleaning the house at like eight because I had no choice because I had two immigrant parents who worked three jobs a piece and they were never home. So if I didn't do that stuff, it wouldn't get done because my mother didn't get home until nine o'clock and then she would go back out to work again. So that was my occupation. My occupation was to contribute to the household. And now parents are like, well, I can't get my kids to do anything. I'm like, because you started coddling them mm-hmm. at a very young age because you didn't want to deal with the, the kickback. And now this is the result. Um, Jimmy and I were actually having a conversation about this because his parenting tactics, I think, are fantastic. He basically has his child be treated like another adult member of the family. And each adult member has a role. So it's just kind of like a delegation. Like if you were owning a business, you would delegate work to the people that were underneath you. And that's what happens. And it works really well. 
the, the kid is like eight and has like this amazing sense of responsibility. He eats well, he exercises with his dad. He helps his mom out with chores. And it's like, it's this very nice marriage of, of things that are happening in the household where a lot of people don't have that going on. And it's because they didn't either pay attention to it for early enough. They didn't manage their time well enough. They focused on other things. And I think if you're a parent, like everything else has to kind of take a back seat because your kids demand your attention very early on and often. And that has to be priority number one. And then I would say mental health for yourself is priority number two, followed by physical health. You're going to go to work like, you you know, depending on the kind of job you have, you can kind of show up probably and still make some money. But if you mess those other three things up, good luck trying to get those back at some point because you're you're always going to you don't ever want to sacrifice time and experience for money because it's just it's going to be too damaging to you on so many different levels. And I'm watching it happen with these 40 something people who are now like scrambling like and like you said, desperate to lose Mm -hmm. weight. Well, the easiest way to not (laughs) to lose weight is to not get fat in the first place. And that really just starts with managing that aspect of your life early on and if you didn't now you're playing catch up but now what's the realistic expectation i only have three or four hours a week to work out maybe i don't like to eat food out of a plastic container i like to make it fresh okay well can you cook food all day long no okay so that's out so what is your best case scenario given your specific lifestyle hire a meal prep service and go to the gym three times a week and strength train each time you go and don't worry about cardio. Get as many steps in throughout the day as possible. That's your specific scenario. That's the best you can do. Under those conditions, expect X. And X looks like maybe five or seven pounds lighter than you are now, yeah. but that's about it. Yeah. You at, Your body at 25 is long gone. And I'm sorry to say that, but until your lifestyle mimics what it was like 20 years ago, it'll never get back there. Yeah, and I think it's it's really challenging. I mean, let's think kind of, I want to go back to something that you said earlier that kind of ties into all of this, right? Our food quality is the lowest that it's ever been. To me, that is like one of the things that I have become very, very passionate about because people don't realize the stress that puts on the body, right? The inflammation, all the underlying dysfunction that it leads to. They also don't realize how it impacts their children, right? I have done a lot of research because I have um, some people in my family, you know, that have children with behavioral disorders and I have researched the heck out of these processed foods that are driving a lot of this ADHD and, um, you know, behavioral dysfunction. And so at the end of the day, now you have somebody who has eaten the standard American diet for, like you said, 20, 30, 40 years, and they're extremely stressed out. They're trying to do it all and wear all of the hats and they don't prioritize themselves. They haven't prioritized themselves. And so now they've gotten to a place where they're so desperate for change. They're willing to do anything. And what they think that is, is 1200 calories. Right? How many times have we heard that from you know clients coming in? Oh, I'm trying to eat 1,200 calories and starve myself. And so now we just have this big stress cascade and a lot of things to fix. And so for Becca and I, when we have people coming into our program, it all starts with time management and prioritize themselves. And we believe that you come first as your first priority. If you're married, then it's your spouse, significant other, and then it's your kids. And it's hard, right? Our kids are everything to us. They are our entire world and we would kill for them. But at the end of the day, I also know as a mother, I do not show up 
good for him when I don't take care of myself, when I'm not getting time to go to the gym and decompress, when I am not fueling my body with the right foods to feel physically good and mentally good. Because we often don't realize how much you know sugar and all of these other processed foods in our diet impact our neurotransmitters, right? Your dopamine, your serotonin. And then we just expect our body to respond to this change by simply eating 1200 calories. And so I'd love to kind of dive into that too, because when it gets down into the <laughs> weeds of change and doing these things consistently, it can be hard to change a lot of things at once. And so we have found, you know, the approach is like you said before, what is doable for you? What are the amount of hours that you have to dedicate to training in the gym or, you know, delegating things such as cleaning the house or hiring a meal prep service, things like that, because people expect change without understanding that there has to be consistent adherence to the program. And that is all across the board, whether it is an anti-inflammatory protocol, it's a stress management protocol, it is a certain amount of calories that they're consuming or protein that they're needing to hit every day. There has to be consistency in order for the body to consistently respond in a healing process or in a weight loss um, process. So let's talk compliance. Let's talk adherence, right? Because as coaches, we're pretty transparent about this, you know, with our clients. Like if we were pulling up food logs, sometimes I will show the client, you know, hey, we hit our goals three out of the seven days of the week. And what can we do to improve this? Because we also know weekends are, I think I've seen you talk about this quite a bit, but weekends are. Yeah, yeah yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. What, what did forty three percent of our week or something? I, I don't. We've talked about this a lot of times Friday on the podcast. Friday to Sunday is forty three percent. Forty three percent. Yep. And so let's subtract that from a hundred. If I'm only doing Monday through Thursday, I'm failing. That's a that's an F, right? Um, and so, how do you get clients to adhere? I just show them the benefits, and I, I illustrate the benefits of adherence to them. I said, you know, and I and I pull it back into parenting or work show up at the work 57% of the time, how much money do you expect to get? You'll probably get fired within a couple of weeks. Um, neglect your kids three out of four, five, seven days a week. <laughs> You're going to have a lot of problems downwind. Not so, going like, to go well. You're going to have DCFS at your door. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you're not going to have children for very much longer or they're going to end up uh, on your on your favorite show on Maury or whatever else, like fighting with their six spouses. So you have to pay attention to yourself in the midst of all of this chaos. And, and I'm not saying like you're not allowed to eat out or you have to exercise seven days a week. Or if you have one bad meal on a Monday, like you have to punish yourself until next, next Monday. Mm. Like most people, your average gen popper, I want to lose a couple pounds here and there, can probably be 75 to 80% adherent and be monumentally better than they were before. Now, if that 80% is not doing it anymore, like if I'm looking at their food mm-hmm. log and they're nailing their numbers 80% of the time. Now, remember also, we're also victims to the information that we're receiving. And a lot of times tracking food is not a perfect science. Mm-hmm. Like last night I tracked, I ate, I feel like I'm at a confessional booth. <laughs> I had wings, popcorners, Hershey's snack mix and pizza. We need to talk about your food quality. (laughs) Oh, my food quality is. And by the way, I'm I'm in an intense gut protocol with my coach. That's how happy he is with me. You are failing. When it it comes to compliance and adherence, I'm the worst client because 
again, and it's because I don't care. And that's what I tell all my exactly. clients. Exactly. understand why I'm failing at this. It's not my coach's fault. It's not his program's fault. It's my fault. I'm failing because I don't give enough of a shit about it. Like if I was super, super uncomfortable, guess what I would do? I would be adherent. But I'm not that uncomfortable just yet. I haven't quite hit rock bottom. It's not like I'm not living in a world of loose stool or constipation or blood in my stool to where I'm really worried about my food quality that much. And if I was, I would make a pretty big, impactful Mm -hmm. and consistent change. You know, I'm not that unhappy with how I look. But if for whatever reason I was, you better believe the next six months would be crystal clear Mm -hmm. and clean and adherent because I would have a very tangible, meaningful skin in the game. But most people aren't there yet. They're not quite. That's why competitors do so well. They have an end date. Yep. They Uh have photo shoots and stage dates and bikinis to fit into. Your average person doesn't have these types of concrete, tangible, physical, aesthetic goals. So they give themselves that that grace to have that bad meal. And you have to remember there's a cumulative effect to all of the toxicity in our food. And it does build up in your bloodstream and in your stomach. And the more and more of these processed foods that you and I, I posted something about seed oils the other day and I knew there was going to be somebody that was going to Oh, I saw it. I read it. I posted about it yesterday on TikTok and I got haters. Yeah, I got eighty-seven. Some some guy like posted like PMID mm-hmm. number blah 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 like sixty-five times. Like there's no evidence to suggest that seed oils are bad. I'm like, okay, listen, everything is dose specific. Cocaine's not bad for you either if you do it once in a while, unless you get that bad batch with fentanyl in it and then you die. So the problem with seed oils is they're just toxic enough to be present, but not to the point where they're killing you immediately. Right. So and they're in everything. Out five, seven, 10 times a week, which a lot of people do, you're subject to these types of things. So your stomach health will suffer unless you're cooking all of your own food in all of your own oil and controlling all of your ingredients. Mm -hmm. But of course that everybody loves to use science as this comfort blanket for their ideologies. And there's a guy, uh, barbell medicine, um, two guys that are both, they're both MDs, but when I dug into it, none of them practice medicine. So they're called the barbell doctors or barbell medicine. But when they come, all they do is they cite research and then stand by, behind it like vehemently, like this is the only way. <laughs> and it's like, well, have you actually ever worked with a fucking client in your life? Like, do you know why these people are suffering? Uh-huh. And do you understand their history of dieting, their history of eating? Maybe the science doesn't apply to Karen anymore because Karen has eaten out of a box or a bag for 30 years mm-hmm. and has never dealt with those issues before. And now she's suffering from it. So maybe the science you can put away for a minute and deal with the actual person, person. in front of you. Yeah. And this is what's so menacing to me about citing research. Like, I don't give a shit about academia anymore. I'm so tired of it. I applied to speak at ISSN. I got rejected and I realized why, because when I went on the website to look at all the speakers, Guess what guess what certification all of them had? A CISSN. So that means that they're all part of the club and I'm not. So I don't get to talk in the academic world because I'm not an academic who sits in a lab working on people who are willing to give up their body for research and be compliant for a six-week bullshit study that doesn't apply to your average person. Yes. So you have to treat these people as individuals and you have to, more, more often than not, as soon as you clean up quality and then you address quality, and then you plug in some consistency, 
holy shit, now they feel better. And now maybe the scale is changing. Maybe their body, Mm -hmm. maybe the scale doesn't change immediately, but their body starts to reduce its inflammatory response to everything. And they start to become smaller people. Yeah. Well, we always say, we always say too, you know, it's very bio-individual and the the devil is in the dose. So I'll just speak for myself in terms of gluten. So Becca's recently gotten some haters on the fact that she's, you know, speaking out about, you know, gluten and the way that gluten is processed here. The way gluten is proce- processed here is much much different than the way in that it France, is in France where they eat plenty of pasta oh, and bread here. and yeah. yes. So for me as an individual, right, I can be told that gluten is not bad. Well, I have an autoimmune condition, which is Hashimoto's. There's plenty of evidence to show that that's the number one ingredient that you should be removing from your diet because at the cellular level, it mimics your thyroid. I also can attest to the fact that when I do consume large amounts of gluten, my back hurts, my joints ache. I have physical you know, manifestations of inflammation and I do not feel good. I felt very tired, brain fog. There was a lot of things that I dealt with that I went through a gut healing protocol because I was desperate. I was very constipated and <laughs> all kinds of things. And so, so I- So you had, were adherent. I, yes. Oh, you bet your ass I was in here. And I also paid $7,000 to go through a gut healing protocol plus the supplements. I wasn't going to not adhere, but it worked, right? And I think this is where, as you were saying before, we can't always look at the science. We also have to look at practical application with clients because I always say, you know, um, the proof is in the pudding. So for example, with Karen, she has consumed all of these seed oils for years and years and years. She has stiff, achy joints, um, you know, joint pain, and she feels tired all the time and she can't think and she can't focus and she can't concentrate. Well, that's an essential fatty acid deficiency because she's consumed so much of these inflammatory industrialized oils. If we can flip her over to good quality foods, healthy omega-3s, watch all of those things disappear. And then let's see for Karen for herself, what does she want to do? Does she want to stay with the higher food quality and feel good? Or does she want to go back to eating all of these processed packaged foods and feel like shit again? And I think, you know, down the line, when someone's going through a healing process, you can for sure have some of those things from time to time, right? I'm not perfect. I still have gluten sometimes. Um, You know, I don't feel the way I felt six years ago though. And so I had to spend the time healing. And then if I have it here and there, I don't get the repercussions. But if I go back to eating it consistently and I have a large dose and it's, you know, shitty quality, of course, I'm going to start feeling like shit again. It is just how it works. Um, And every individual is going to be different with that. So I appreciated your post yesterday. I've posted a lot about seed oils as well. And people want to argue about it. But you look at any other country, that shit isn't in their products, right? It's actually banned. And just a very interesting fact, I was talking to one of our clients the other day, and she was telling me that her um, husband uh, transports chemicals. And a lot of the things that he delivers to Johnson and Johnson, as well as Purdue, are not allowed in other countries. Of course not. Oh. And that's why, like you, and I think the best example you can have is there was a restaurant in New York City when I lived out east, and my buddy owned it. And it was a Michelin star Italian joint, and every one of his ingredients, down to the oil, was imported from Italy. Like literally three shipments a week of fish, produce, meat all of his raw materials because he made all of his own pasta in-house. Mm. Now, go to a go to a Olive Garden and have an Italian meal there and walk out feeling like an absolute blimp. And then I would go to his restaurant and I would eat pasta and pizza and bread at the table and oil. And I would walk out there and I'd be able to go out afterwards and feel totally fine. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have to go crawl into bed and die. 
Yep. And it's because the ingredients are just better and they're better because they haven't been messed with. Whereas here, you have no idea. Like you go, even if you go to a farm to table restaurant and they're telling you that they're using organic and grass fed and blah, blah, blah. You don't know. Yeah. No. You don't know. Not in the kitchen opening these things up and putting mm-hmm. them on the pan. Fun fact and about Olive Garden is that they have no stovetops in their rest in their like back area. It's all microwaves and um I did not know that. Yeah, That's really everything comes pretty much frozen. Um, and it's just like heating up things. So <laughs> disgusting. Um, one of my friends that's a like, restaurant and like inspector told me that one time and I was like, uh, Oh my God. And, they, and how, how, how can we possibly expect it to adhere when we have all of these hyper palatable, delicious options that are minutes and seconds away mm-hmm. and they're fairly inexpensive. And, and then when yeah. you're asking somebody to put the effort into actually, and when I tell people the meal prep, like a couple of things I tell them is, don't make Sunday your eight-hour meal prep day because by Wednesday, you're not going to want to eat any of that shit. So cook a little bit of food on Sunday for Monday and Tuesday and then do it again on Tuesday for Wednesday and Thursday and then do it again on Thursday for Friday through the weekend. Gotcha. Most yep. of the time, you can eat breakfast at home or make a protein shake and walk out the door with it. Most of the time, if you're a family, you're probably eating as a family for dinner. So it's those two meals or three meals or snacks throughout the day that are a problem for everybody. Yep. So. The, the way that you beat that and make it not a problem is by preparing some protein, which is really what most people are deficient in and needs prep because most of the convenient protein options are not great. They're either bars or they're mm-hmm. filled with those oils or they're artificial ingredients. So that tends to become problematic. So make a container of shrimp and weigh it out and then grab a, a 90 second steam in a bag rice and a steam in a bag vegetable and throw it together. And that takes you three minutes and it's done but it has to be somewhat prepared. Now, I'm not yes. saying again, have all your dishes stacked up no. in the fridge. You see all these bodybuilders walking around with their suitcases of food. It doesn't have to be that extreme. And now like most people are working from home now anyway, Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. or they're kind of hybrid in office, out of office, and your office probably has a fridge. So if you're not bringing shit to work with you, it's because you just didn't think about it in the morning. Yeah. And 90%, just, 90% of discipline is planning like it's not that you can't make a good choice it's that you don't set yourself up to make a good choice and you woke up late you're running around like and where does all that like people when they talk about themselves being stressed out you're stressed out because you're late now you have to get your kids ready and yourself ready and your husband's asking for something and work is already calling and you're answering 85 emails if you woke up 45 minutes earlier because you didn't go to bed at midnight last (laughs) night doing whatever you were doing you wouldn't feel better today and you wouldn't feel that level of anxiety and being overwhelmed and you'd be able to get all these things done and just check off boxes. And unfortunately, I'm sorry to make you think about it, but you made the decision to have kids. So you have to be good at that. So, like I'm, I'm making the decision not to have children. I don't want them. I don't like them. I don't want the stress and I'm just too selfish for it. So I've made that choice. I don't want to have kids. Totally fair. If, if I was going to have children accidentally, we would deal with that as well. But like, I, I don't want to have all of these stressors that I'm watching people have. So I've decided not to do it. But if you've gone down the road and said, I want to have children, but I also want to be a mom, but I also want to be in shape, but I also want to have a social life. You're going to have a very, very tough go at it because that's going to require a lot of attention. So if you want it all, you got to do it all. 
You got to time manage. And, and something's going to say something is going to have to take a back seat. Yes. Nobody is that good. Nobody. Liz and I are. Just be like, <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. There's female bodybuilders who have like four kids and, and some of them follow me. But if you look at what they do for work, nine out of 10 times are either online coaches or they're prep coaches. So they have a little bit more leeway than your average person. Yep. You know, they're not like, they're not running a fortune 500 company uh-uh. and they're not in the office 17 hours a day. So they can do those things because they are able to wake up at four, get their cardio done, then come back, then get the kids ready, then go back. And now the house is empty. And what do they get to do? They get to meal prep. They get to work mm-hmm. out again. That's why. Answer. Yeah. Well, and we talk a lot about too, you know, it really comes down to balance. So like we could sit here and we could talk about how we balance. We, we are a mute point at this point. A lot of our listeners know because they listen to us jibber jabber. Yeah, you guys make enough. it work. We make it work. But here's the thing. We've also made a decision around what are our non-negotiables and what the priorities are in our life. And my life today compared to where it was four years ago is totally different. I don't go out on Friday and Saturday nights the way that I used to because I don't have time with the toddler to sleep in and recover from eating and drinking like shit, right? Um, <laughs> they don't care. They're savages. You know? And so... The thing here is like, even with where we're at in our life right now with our business growth, our balance is skewed. We work more than we want to, but we are also understanding that this is a season that we're going through because this is a season of growth and that's what we want. And so we choose to say no to other things in this season. And so I think for everybody's listening to this, you guys all have to understand that you can do it all. You can have it all, but it's going to require you to to say no to some things. And it's going to require you to have a little bit. It's phases. And like, that's, I think that's how explaining it to people helps sometimes. It's like, this is a temporary thing for you to be in a push phase. Like you have to push right now. I'm not asking you to push forever, but we have to get to a place where we can maintain a little bit easier. And to get there, there needs to be more effort and it's temporary. But then once you get there, you can pull back on a couple things. You can't go back to your old habits. No one can and maintain, but like you can get to a place where you're holding more muscle mass. Maybe you've developed some new habits that are just kind of more automatic and aren't take, don't take as much effort or thought. But during the time of building that, you have to fucking focus on it a lot. You have to kind of obsess over it to an extent and you have to give in other places. Like you have to let go of some other things. And so being able to understand like phases exist, yeah. I think, and understanding that they're not always as extreme as people think. People think like, I got to cut carbs for the next 30 days and then I can go back to my normal life. Like, no, you have to, you have to probably phase a, a strict protocol, but then you can't go back to your normal life. You have to maintain a lot of things that you're doing, but it's easier there. But being able to understand that it's not like, I'm asking you to give up going out to eat seven times a week and people take that as, you're taking my life away. It's like, no, no, no. I'm asking you to do this for the next couple months and build right. new habits. And so being able to kind of convey that to clients and you know potential clients and people, but that's the struggle that I think a lot of people do is they look at diets, they're like, I can't do that. Because they think forever. They think, I can't, you know, I'm not that person. But when you show them how to become that person, how to adopt those habits and how it makes you feel, it's getting that, you know, buy-in essentially. And being able to explain that to people is like, this is a season that we push in. And once you get to the other side of that season, you will understand how you can maintain it. But you have to kind of trust the process. You know, I hate that phrase, but like, you got to have faith. You got to have faith that you can do this and become this person, this different person. And like you said, the number one person that comes to us that I know will succeed are people that have somewhat hit rock bottom. 
people that literally and, and, are so uncomfortable they have to change. And maintenance is really not that hard if you really mm. think about it. like I I've been kind of in a perpetual maintenance now for years and yeah. it's like once you attain a certain level of success keeping it is not that hard. It's it's the it's that climb up the hill that's always difficult. But once you're up there, like it's enjoy the view for as long as you want, yeah. and come back down for a little while. And and, I, and like you said, it's it's once you let people understand that it can be done in phases, and it can be done like in three or four or five month spurts where it's not forever and it's mm-hmm. not this overwhelming, all consuming thing. Like just make this push, be as adherent as you can for the next six to twelve weeks, and then we dial it back. And then we amplify again and then we, and it's okay. And you can do that with or with that. Once you learn that process, you can let them fly free on their own. And now they, they have the skill set to do that forever. And they can go Mm -hmm. through those phases on their own because they have that knowledge base. But so many people, like you said, are just, well, I, I, how realistic is it for me to work out five days a week? Well, it's probably not. Um, it's probably you're going to miss workouts and you're going to miss meals or you're going to eat suboptimally. You're going to go out. But some people do have a lifestyle. That's like, I have one client who's on the road. I would say probably every week, like every week is on a plane for work. And he just, his, now there's other people I know who are on a plane that often and they ship food to wherever they're going or they use like trifecta systems and they get food delivered to the hotel. So they're the, but these people are like competitors Uh or they have like, a lot of skin in the game. Your average person's not going to go to those lengths, unfortunately. And it's, again, it's because they just don't care enough. Yeah, I think now, this they is. They can still make. Sorry, go ahead. go ahead. I think this is where the mindset shifts have to happen, right? Because you said that you know maintenance. Yeah, enjoy the view from the top, but the people who don't regain the weight are the people who have spent time also fixing their relationship with food and changing bad habits. Because I have um, a client of mine that I worked with for uh, a couple of years. And in the course of 14 months, he lost over 100 pounds and he traveled every week. But the wow. number one thing that we focused on was changing his mindset because he was the classic, I'll eat low during the week when I travel, but you know, then I binge on the weekends or you know, I won't eat all day and then I have this huge meal at nighttime and just totally tip you know, the scale in terms of like a lot of carbohydrates, a lot of sugar and stuff like that. And so we had to work on the mental component of it for a few months and he just started walking he wasn't even exercising or strength training i had him start walking and we started working on habits and the mindset and over the course of the 14 months he lost 100 pounds and the only reason that he sustained it to this day is because of the mindset shifts that he made and that we worked through because he had done a lot of other diets before he lost weight he gained it back lost weight he gained it back right and so that's going to be a very very important piece of the journey and kind of like you said even before we start recording like master your mind master your body if you don't take care of the demons and the limiting beliefs and the stories and the rationalizations that you keep making every weekend to binge drink and order pizza you're not going to get to your goals Aram's waving. Aram, you're not going to get to your goals. But you're you're in maintenance right now. I I think people think that like we're because we're coaches, we have all the answers, and we have answers. But our answers come from years and years of trial and error and education. That's the only reason why we're here and we're authority figures and figureheads in this type of a world because we've practiced what we've preached to some extent, but we also have the technical background to help others. But at the end of the day, anybody who's in this for the long haul knows that it's not going to be linear. Nope. It's not going to be perfect. You're going to have weeks and days where it sucks and mm-hmm. you fall down and things get overwhelming and something happens. Like COVID is 
shifted everybody's belief. I mean, especially now with the way that it works with kids. Like if your kid gets sick or even has a symptom. Oh, Jesus, don't okay, talk to well, us now, about it. Like now, boom, there goes five days of quarantine with your child. And every one of your plans gets uprooted and, and mm -hmm. destroyed. So the world has changed. And I think if you're not, if you're not able to kind of ebb and flow with the change and you don't know how to have a couple of rules in place, just a few, like, I know I need to kind of nail protein. I know I want to walk a lot. And if that's the best I can do, at least I'm happy. Like, I don't feel mm -hmm. like a failure. I'm not beating myself up and I feel accomplished enough to stay in the game for another week. And that's, don't think like six, 12, 15, 20 months ahead. And most people can't even swallow that much. Mm -hmm. Just take off the little, take the little bites and just be like, okay, what did I do over the next couple of days that I can make better? Mm -hmm. What can I do now that that's better? What can I do for the next week? That's going to make stuff better. Yep. That's it. Exactly. Yep. Small changes over time. You know, it'll change your life. If you're willing to be consistent, mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing. So yeah, a little bit of patience. Just a whole lot of patience. A lot of patience. You need a lot of patience. <laughs> you also need a lot of patience to have children. So yes. <laughs> anyways, this has been fantastic. We want to be respectful of your time. So let our listeners know where they can find you, how they connect with you. And you guys, we're serious. Follow him on Instagram. His content is it's witty. So good. It is awesome. You, got you some say all the things I want to say, but I don't know if I sometimes have the courage to. <laughs> <laughs> well, Again, if I get canceled, I get canceled. You know. I'm the only one that's getting fed off of my income, so it's not that big of a deal. And I can always just go drive Uber. Yeah. Um, you have skin in the game. You have children. You got to keep alive. That's a much that's a much harder live. Yeah, yeah that's okay. Four weeks to the beach. The number four. The number two weeks, and then the beach. And then uh, my website's a landing page. I should write more on it, but I, I spend most of my time taking picture of my feet while I poop and post. <laughs> it's yep. great. That's fantastic. It's your thoughts. It's your morning thoughts. You got to come up with it's something. It's your brand. Different. Yeah. <laughs> so it's sad that, that the toilet has become my brand, which is ironic because of my poor gut health, which I keep bearing into the toilet further because I keep making stupid decisions. Like, I haven't even heard from my coach now in three weeks because he's just like, I've given up on you. You suck. I'm going to pay attention to the people who are actually doing what they <laughs> Gut healing oh, protocols are difficult. My heart is with you. It yeah. is. I mean, they suck. They're uncomfortable. There's a lot of restriction, healing time. Uh, I will say though, it changed my life. I don't know, you know what all you're dealing with, but it was definitely a game changer for me. And, you know, I just... Uh, I am thankful for that time that I spent there. So, but we'll link everything out in the show notes so that yep. they can, you know, connect with you and um, follow you. And thank you so much for taking the time today. This was awesome. Too much fun. We could always do it again. Thank you for listening to The Food Code. If this episode resonated with you, please share, rate, and review as this helps us reach others around the world. With that, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Love you guys. <laughs>